Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, Networld, and thank you for tuning in. We are continuing with the Family Bible Revolution an end-time message for His generational blessing. I'm so glad you're here. We left off yesterday talking about the subjects that we would teach our family and speak to our family about the Word of God in family worship. Things like prayer, praise and worship, the Word and the Spirit, faith, love, and giving, fellowship and servanthood, evangelism and discipleship. That's the 12 words of the mission statement for our church, which is the Master's House in Ashland, Virginia. If you can visualize a circle like a pie divided into six slices, the top slice would be prayer. And following the circle around clockwise, the second slice would be praise and worship. The third, the word and the spirit. The fourth, faith, love, and giving. The fifth, fellowship and servanthood. The sixth, evangelism and discipleship. And during this session, I'll just give you a little information about each one so you can begin to teach your family the truths of God's Word. This circle is really actually never-ending. It's a continuing cycle. We start with prayer. We end with evangelism and discipleship. But then we keep praying and keep praise and worshiping and continuing in the Word and the Spirit, faith, love, and giving, fellowship and servanthood, and again, evangelism and discipleship, a constant moving circle over and over and over again, the life cycle of a Christian. Our mission statement says it this way, Through our foundation of prayer and praise to our King, we sow His Word with the help of His Holy Spirit. Through our faith, love, and giving, we establish His kingdom on the earth. Through our fellowship and servanthood, we minister to His people. Through our evangelism and discipleship, we reach, train, and send His saints. We are building the family of God through worship, relationship, and service. Why? Because we're family. In other words, we understand by our seeking His face through prayer and worshiping and thanking Him through praise and worship, He naturally responds with His Word and the manifestation of His Spirit and power. Our acknowledgement of Him is what prayer and worship are all about. Prayer, worship, and the Word are three priorities that should always be included in our family worship time. Arthur Pink, who lived from 1886 to 1952, is quoted in the book, A Theology of the Family, as saying this, Consider first the example of Abraham, the father of the faithful and the friend of God, quoting James 2 and 23. It was for his domestic piety, and he received blessing from Jehovah himself, quote, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, quoting Genesis 18:19. The patriarch is here commended for instructing his children 
and servants in the most important of all duties, the way of the Lord, the truth about his glorious person, his high claims upon us, his requirements from us. Note well the words, he will command them, that is, he would use the authority God had given him as a father and head of his house to enforce the duties of family godliness. Abraham also prayed with, as well as instructed his family, wherever he pitched his tent, there he built an altar unto the Lord, Genesis twelve seven and thirteen four says. Now, my readers, we may well ask ourselves, are we Abraham's seed if we do not the works of Abraham and neglect the weighty duty of family worship? Wow, what a good question. Yes, the word of God and family prayer are important. Thomas Doolittle, who lived from 1632 to 1707, is quoted in the book, A Theology of the Family, as saying, Masters of families ought to read the scripture to their families and instruct their children and servants in the matters and doctrines of salvation. No man that will not deny the scripture can deny the unquestionable duty of reading the scripture in our houses, governors of families teaching and instructing them out of the word of God. John G. Patton, who lived from 1824 to 1907 in the book A Theology of Family, said every house in which there was not prayer to God in the family was known thereby to be heathen. Whew. So there are several subjects that are important to cover at home, such as prayer, found in 1 Timothy 2.8. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And worship, John 4.23. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And then, of course, the word, Luke 4, 4 says, But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then the Spirit, his gifts in the prophetic. Speaking of the Spirit, Zechariah 4, 6 says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's an interesting subject. The gifts of the Spirit, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And Acts 2.39 says, For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And then we can't forget the prophetic. 1 Corinthians 14 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Then the gospel, the word of faith. And I have a good example called the Apostles' Creed. The gospel is mentioned in Romans 1.16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Oh, and I love the word of faith, Romans 10.8-9. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I love the Apostles' Creed. It was written as a small tract or witnessing device many, many, many years ago. It goes like this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, 
and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What a great tool to teach our families about the Word of God. You see, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can do this, family worship. When Jesus rode into the clouds and left the earth, he spoke some very important words. John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Notice the word Helper has a capital H. Jesus here is talking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Helper who will come in Christ's stead. Since the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has been the manifestation of God's works and power on the earth. Jesus referred to the baptism of the Holy Spirit as being endued or filled with power from on high. Luke twenty four forty nine says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Jesus instructed his disciples not to go anywhere or do anything until they received this power. Reading Acts 1, 4 through 8, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me. Verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. At this point, we need to ask a few very important questions. In the upper room in Acts chapter 1, were the disciples already born again, also known as saved? My simple answer would be yes. Why? Because Jesus had already been raised from the dead. The price had been paid, and the disciples both believed in their hearts and confessed with their mouth, Jesus is Lord. So according to the following scriptures, they must have been born again. Romans ten nine through 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And Romans ten thirteen, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we need to ask a second very important question. If they were already saved, they must have also had the Holy Spirit. If so, why did they have to wait 10 days to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And the same question could be asked of the disciples in Acts chapter 19. Acts 19, verses 1 through 3, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. This question is even stronger. If these disciples were already born again believers and the day of Pentecost had already come in Acts chapter 2, why were they not already baptized in the Holy Spirit? Acts nineteen four through 6. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. 
in verse 5, And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. The only conclusive answer that can be given is that there is a second and greater empowerment available to all believers, to all who are born again, to all who are saved. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This second experience, an empowerment to be witnesses for Christ, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, is not optional. It's a command of Christ. Do not go anywhere or do anything until you be endued with power from on high. Luke 24:49 and Acts 1, 4-8. Obviously, Jesus and his disciples thought this second empowerment was very important. Remember, Zechariah 4, 6, It's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. This second empowerment fills us with the full power of the Holy Spirit for our service to the Lord. Without it, we are severely limited to our work on earth, in the Spirit. It's amazing, we've already run out of time. So I look forward to being with you on my next netcast. Mark your calendar, set your clock, and tune in next time as we continue in establishing the Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for His generational blessing. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.